1: Okay, welcome to the Big Interview Q&A show I'm Martin Gregg and with me today are Graham Hunter Host of the Big Interview and our guest for these shows La Liga TV's Pete Jensen We have questions as always from our socios Who support this podcast at patreon.com Forward slash Graeme Hunter And from our sponsors at Bet365 First up for part 2 Is from Socio Shane Hurley Shane says Hello gentlemen, is the key for Liverpool Overcoming Real Madrid stopping Casemiro in open play, his runs into the box and combination play this season has added to his threat from set plays. Or if not Casemiro, where do you think is the key to Liverpool overcoming Real Madrid? So obviously Shane's referring to Liverpool, Real Madrid in the quarter, uh, Champions League quarterfinal. First leg is on Tuesday, April 6th. I think that tie is actually being played in Spain now due to the relaxing of the COVID restriction, travel restrictions, I think. Um, How do we see that tie and can we pick up on Shane's point about the influence of Casemiro or or where does the the key for the the, the tie lie?
2: Like Casemiro does for his teammates, I'll buy the creative one, Pete, a little bit of space and time by saying that I'm glad that Mr H um, is admiring Casemiro because over almost every year since he returned from Porto, he's proven himself to be it, genuinely an extraordinary footballer. It, it's so fun to watch him. There was a point during one of the seasons where nothing was going right for Roma and they were awful. The Casemiro volunteered for ninety percent of the what are called super flash interviews, where you, where you're you're talking to the TV station live on the pitch, and he's got this very strange voice. Um, it 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 comes across when he's speaking as a Brazilian Portuguese. Natural when he's speaking Spanish, it kind of comes across. I mean, I don't want to be mean, but a little bit country bumpkin. He he kept on saying, "Ah, no, we're awful. I'm awful. Everything's awful." Really confronting the truth, but it it became like emblematic of. And I'm trying to remember which coach that was under. I don't. I don't it was after Benitez, and therefore it must have been. It was during that mad season when Lopetegui started it and Solari moved on and. This Casemiro mea culpa thing became a little pastiche at the end of really big defeats where he's like we're playing terribly we're going to have to try harder we all know it's our fault when that's not really the way that the rest of the Real Madrid players felt it's not the way that Real Madrid as an institution felt they always feel um, something's wrong you know kill the messenger and everybody behind it and then buy new talent whether it's coaching or players and move on and generally like Abramovic Chelsea it works but that was the only season since he got back from Porto where there was anything really that you could pick up on on Casemiro's play because week in week out, whether he's exhausted, whatever formation he's playing in, whether he is enjoying himself or not, his choice of position, his ability to staunch the flow of teams that want to attack around the defensive midfield position or teams that think they've beaten Varane or Ramos or Militao, time after time, Casemiro will pop up in situations whereby he's like, he should have a cape and a mask and people should be describing his superpowers because there have been in in modern terms, I think, really few players who read the game as well from defensive midfield as Casemiro. He's, He's not like Kante, He's like 16 men all in the one shirt running everywhere and, and, and snuffling the ball and running around like a like a terrier after a tennis ball he's, he's not like that and he's not like Busquets whereby everything is, is a computer but short pass, move, short pass to give it again, there's a gap I've seen it before everybody else he's not like either of those but the thing that complements what Casemiro does in a defensive sense is that he is an extremely, extremely good attacking footballer he's so clever about when he in the rare occasions that he goes high up the pitch in a non set ball situation his ability to pass his ability to shoot from range his his cleverness his deftness allied to what he's got which is a big physical unit if if you if you muck about with him he never loses his he's never even come close to losing his temper what he does do is is don a cloak of invisibility in terms of I reckon that in his Real Madrid career, he probably should have seen about eight or nine red cards. He's seen one for not backing. He'd been booked already, and he wouldn't back away from the ball at a free kick. He was trying to buy time. His second booking was... I mean, was, If you want to say Al Capone in taxes, then I couldn't possibly comment. But he is a phenomenon, and you're guaranteed, if you appreciate football, watch any Real Madrid game. It doesn't matter whether they're on form or who the opponent is, Casemiro will give you 100% entertainment if you enjoy football.
3: Yeah, he's. Um, I think Sergio Ramos has asked Casemiro a couple of times, can you lend me your shin pads or you know light a candle for me or something because um, I want some of what you've got. Um, um, uh, he tells a great story, Casemiro, about when he was 12 years old um, trying to get into his first... Um, Big club into the, into their academy, I can't remember the club now, um, and um, the, all the, the candidates, all the kids are, 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 are surrounding the kind of coaches, and the coaches call out, right, who here's a number nine? And Casemiro's a centre forward at this point, he's a 12 year old and he, he, he loves to score goals, and he's a centre forward. Um, and Casemiro, smart as a whip, even then sees all the hands going up and thinks, oh, okay, keep your hand down, keep your hand down. And then the next question is, uh, who here is a number 10? Uh, and obviously even more hands go up. We're in Brazil, even more hands go up and Casemiro again keeps his hand down by his side. And he waits until, uh, basically the question is, who here is a pivote, You know, who here is a holding midfielder? And hardly any hands go up and he sticks his hand up and he ends up getting in. Um, um, uh, so he's always had that instinct to get into the box and we've seen it from set plays and we've seen it more and more in open play. And quite often in that that brilliant midfield 3 with modric and cruz uh, you know the, tr- the the triangle will be flipped and he'll be the furthest forward and it'll be cruz and modric who are closer to to the central defenders and now they have Varane in the mix and uh, not Varane, um valverde in the mix as well Who's back? Although he's he's got he's got an injury, I think that might be just a, a kind of a seven days rest, and, and then he'll be back for the for the two games. Um, they were I thought they were very impressive at the weekend against Celta Vigo. The, the the press that they put on Celta Vigo that was as intense as I've seen it all season um, with Vinicius and Benzema leading it up front. Um, Benzema could probably do with a better strike partner, but I think if they're going to play four four two, then Vinicius is probably the best the best of the bunch to play alongside him and you certainly get the intensity and the physicality and the running from him um, and you know with Valverde uh, Modric Cruz and Casemiro behind um, you know there was an intensity to Real Madrid that we haven't seen um, before, too often this season um, so they're coming into the right sort of shape and form um, for the game but um, I still think there are, there are big big question marks about, about how they'll, they'll be able to defend against um Against Liverpool, if, if Liverpool are at their best, the, the gaps between the the fullbacks and and the, and the central defenders, Varane has not always been at his best this season. He had a shocker against Luis Suarez in the Madrid derby. Um, so um, I think um, you know I fancy I fa- fancy Madrid to, to uh, fancy Liverpool to, to get the better of of, of of Real Madrid, despite the fact that I think they are they are probably at their best. They have timed their their form and their their physical condition well, and you know they're ready for the for the running.
2: A, a quick at the end of Shane said, "If not Casemiro, what specifically?" And it's it's really clear that, it, irrespective of how outrageously well Kruse and Modric are playing when the chips are down, because every time this season either Zidane's job need rescuing or the season needed rescuing, particularly Kruse and Modric, but certainly Casemiro too have gone brilliant. This is when we love it. you know. We, we love being in the kitchen when it's hot and the fat is splattering everywhere and the, the chef is shouting. It's it's absolutely catnip to them. But if you run past Cruz, he doesn't turn and chase. He, he needs to have the going good. It, certainly he's one of those who, against um, Atalanta and against Celta, was incredibly up there being part of the press that Pete described. But he, he just simply... He looks disdainfully at any idea that if somebody's run past him and is running away towards Kurtos goal, that it's his job to run with them. So it's absolutely essential to do that. And Pete's point about, you know, it looks like Carvajal's not going to be ready, which I think is a terrible shame. Carvajal, even if he's got limitations, is, is part of the beating heart of Real Madrid in terms of his aggression, his work rate, his tackling, his use of the ball high up the pitch. Carvajal remains a really good attacking right back, and he's positionally, you know, quite sound. So it looks like it'll be Lucas and Mondi, both of them are good players. Lucas has risen to the challenge, but they're given the most extraordinary shame. Listen, if you're watching it, you'll know this. There were big spells against Celta, where and this is, it's just incredible, after having tried to find ways to describe the, the sort of mental sensations that goes on in Marcelo's head when when he's when told right now the structure today is and the idea about this is and your opponent and Marcelo will, will put the, the the only thing Marcelo hasn't done to surprise you is during the game swap strips with the opposition and play for 15 minutes for them because he's literally done everything else in football that you shouldn't do and Mondi comes in and you think well maybe we'll get a sober gentleman who's an athlete and strong and can create but kind of has one eye on doing his job and he was at centre forward a lot of the time against Celta Vigo, the left back was at centre forward and not on an outrageous break moment where somebody's got support and effort hanging around the penalty spot going this will be me today and Liverpool have to exploit that because there, there, there is no club in, in, in recent memory that says to both it's right back and full back lads, you know, get out there and just go mental today. So, get um, getting behind the fullback Shane might send basic advice, but I, th- I think it might pay dividends.
1: Okay, the second question is from our sponsors at 365 and I think it's kind of semi related to to Shane's query. They're asking there's been one Spanish representative in the Champions League semi-finals in the last two seasons and there may not be one this year. Spain's dominance of the Champions League is it now over? Interesting question. Um do, do we see this as a blip or is it part of maybe a more kind of worrying trend
2: going forward? I, I think that the, the, the domination of the Champions League isn't feeling the same at the moment because um, you know Sevilla getting turned over at home, Barcelona getting turned over at home by Paris Saint-Germain to follow on from the Juventus pumping they took in December from a side that isn't going to win the title in Italy that he's now struggling to make sure that it finishes in the top four. Those are clearly ominous signs to go with the way in which they only used to, I mean, you know, in the good times, they only used to take pumpings away from home in Rome and Paris and, and Liverpool. And um, I think that Sevilla, with an addition um, in goals, Dimitrovich next season, which I think will improve them, and Sevilla with some added um, goal power you can be sure that Sevilla will bring in <clears throat> probably two key signings one a creative central midfielder and another goal scorer I think Sevilla can then begin to replicate the way in which they they were a Europa League force and do so in the Champions League is, is my opinion um, I'd very much like to believe that Villarreal win the Europa League far from guaranteed but I, it's, it's not unimaginable um, it, it won't be Granada sadly but It's not unimaginable that Spain has five teams in the Champions League next season. Um, I would have thought that uh, there's something seriously, in my opinion, wrong in European terms about Atletico Madrid. And I think personally, even though there is still a chance of Simeone winning the title, and if he does that, then my call won't be answered. But Atleti are not properly moving forward under Cholo Simeone. They have moved forward in terms of the squad. The squad is very, very, very good. They've got a squad that, given the the troubles that looking left and looking right to Barcelona and Madrid, should have been capable of winning the title and should have been capable of keeping their gap sufficiently healthy that now there wouldn't be a debate about who's going to be champion when, in fact, it is still just about a three-way race. And I think Simeone's... I, I think his ability to be as hungry and as... Inventive and inspiring as he was, has has gone, and it and it probably went long before he bought a Rolls Royce that he gets chauffeur driven around Madrid in. And I wrote an ESPN column about you know comparing him to Wenger and and Wenger's rubbish that you know finishing top four was like a trophy and that fueling the financial beast at Arsenal became his leitmotif motif and there, there's a universe between living like that and and earning lots of money and. Showing that your salary, which Diogo Simeone's salary is absolutely gigantic, um, is justified in terms of what you're earning for the club. There's a there's a there's a universe between that and winning, because winning is tough. Winning is really hard, and Simeone's gone soft. So uh, that's ticking through the candidates for um, next season's Champions League. And if Simeone wins the title, and, and really almost in any terms because he's been renewed relatively recently. I don't see Atletico waking up and smelling the coffee and going, we've got a guy who's making us lots of money, but that's not enough for us. So I, I it bothers me a little bit. And Atletico were utterly, utterly atrocious against Chelsea across two legs. I mean, genuinely atrocious. And there isn't that much between the two teams or the two squads. And Chelsea should have won by a, a higher margin than the three goals overall. So... Um, I think Barcelona. We've covered in part one of this. Um, Barcelona are are nearly back and with correct surgery this summer, become a threat in the Champions League again. I think they showed that in Paris. And Real Madrid are are, are just like um, what's her name and um, come on now, Graham. Right, she's in the bath. Is, is, it, is it Michael Douglas or, and she she's in the bath and everybody thinks she's dead and up she comes out of the bath and is it fatal instinct? you just can't get rid of them there's just no way possibly to shape Real Madrid away from being competitors for the Champions League and they're desperate for a big name striker and they might get a big name striker um, their their huge dilemma is that they can't quite make up the mind if Ramos is staying or not Benzema's is out of contract in 2022 Varane is out of contract in 2022 there is an enormous amount of housekeeping to be done and done well by Real Madrid, but just say the name; it, it, it's Real Madrid. If anybody thinks they won't be competitive for the Champions League again next season, then they haven't been paying attention.
3: It's a bit forced, I think. When you when we draw these conclusions about you know three teams from that league have you know not got through to the to the quarterfinals, therefore that that league has a problem because, as Graham says, the, the reasons why Barcelona. Fell at the fell at the you know the last sixteen hurdle uh, completely different to the reasons why Atletico Madrid fell at the last sixteen hurdle, um, and Sevilla at them at this moment in time. Probably, that's probably where they are. They're a last sixteen team uh, um, next season. Hopefully, with a couple more additions, that they, they can go, finally go beyond that. Um, I completely agree against about Atletico Madrid. The, the the first leg in particular was just abysmal. I mean, it was it was. Um, it was Mourinho with, with, with them, some more Mourinho on the top, wasn't it? It was trying to get that nil, nil, um, with a team that doesn't actually defend, um, as, as well as it, as well as it did five or six years ago. Um, and he's, as Graham says, he's, he's got the talent to play, to play differently now and, and to be, to be about more than that. But I don't think he's going anywhere. I don't think he's going anywhere, um, regardless of what happens in the title race. So, but Madrid, um, will come back stronger next season. I, th- I think they're convinced that Mbappé wants to play there um, and I think they have faith in Mbappé not signing a new deal at PSG, um, whether that means they then have to still wait for another year before they get him but obviously if if they can somehow make that work and Mbappé ends up at Madrid then... You know, and then they become you know one of the favourites again every season, as they were when Ronaldo was there. Um, and Barcelona are are, re- are already rebuilding. The, the the young players that are coming through at Barcelona are reasons for all their for their supporters to be cheerful. Um, and. You know they will also find the resources from somewhere to, to to move forward. So this is a blip this season. One one team in the, in the last what are we the finals now. Um, I think next season. But I think Madrid will be back with a, a bang, and who knows might go further. Let's see what happens against Liverpool. Um, Letty's the as as Graham has said is the big is the big question. Can they, are they? I mean, he has reached two finals. Let's gives Simeone some credit, but. Um, the demands to, to to do something a little bit more than than what he was doing before, and the inability to do that, um, it's you know it's 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 the next step for him, and and he's been a few years now trying to take it and not been able to take it.
2: And those two finals have scarred him, Pete. I mean, without question, it, it, the the fact that each were so agonising close to victory, the fact that each of them were against Madrid. Um, he's quite a superstitious man, I think. I mean, far be it from us to say stop speaking so frankly because that's what we we, thr- we thrive on, we crave. But when he gave that interview after the Milan defeat to Real Madrid on penalties about every time I hear the Champions League him, I feel pain, that's a great line and you might worry about his psychology and all that. But then if you tie that phrase to the performances we are talking about against Chelsea and Bucharest in London you're like, oh, yeah, well, we can see it. And that's no good. You know, he who dares wins. And I genuinely think that the two things are combining. I think that the, the damage done by Real Madrid has 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 until now, people can reinvent themselves, has broken Simeone as a force in Europe. And and then subsequently being knocked out in both the quarter final and the semi final by Real Madrid after those defeats. You know, it's been it's been four punches full in the nose, um, leaving him bloodied and bruised. And it's really sad to say, but you know, he's happy. When he was reaching those finals, he was kind of jogging about on his own in Madrid. He'd left his family behind in South America. He was in the point of leaving his his wife, his his kids were were you know made a, they were awfully sad about him leaving and changing continent to go to his beloved work. And he was a driven man. He was he was on his Jack Jones. He was driven. He was younger. He had what he was doing was for a reason, for a cause. And now, you know, they've you know his, his salary is about 40 times what it was and the club desperately needed him to keep generating that revenue because of the debt that they've got and the way that they've spent on Lamar and Joao Felix and, you know, the financing. They're part of the financing of the Metropolitano. And he gets a pat on the back again and he gets sugar lumps in Pavlovian terms for not the wrong thing. But but not enough, and uh, so he did reach. Martin he did reach two finals. Aletti have been magnificent. He's the most successful coach in the history, and and it's just anybody who listens to me knows that you have to put in context what I'm saying. In context, he's still an extraordinary man. He's been, you know, a, a whirlwind, Tasmanian devil force uh, for Aletti since he took over. But uh, n- nobody's dominant forever.
1: Okay, it's time for a break. We'll be back in a moment with a couple more questions to complete part two of this month's Q&A.
4: How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment.
1: And we're back with an audio question from Socio Tom Lee. Greetings, Graham and Pete. Uh, it's Socio Tom Lee here with one for the March Q&A. Um, the team I'd like a bit of a profile on, please, is the team that in the
2: Europa League have drawn Manchester United, Granada, uh, the Andalusian side, who, um, from a limited knowledge, they seem to concede a lot of goals, but they're no mugs. I see they made Atleti sweat recently for three points. And... If my eyes don't deceive me, they knocked none other than Napoli out of the Europa League recently. So I suspect there'll be no pushover. Um, What do we know? What can we expect? And how big a threat are they uh, to United? Thanks, gents. Cheers. Here's one for television viewers of the 70s. The reason that Molina and Saldana score so much is great service you get renting your colour set from Granada. Great service you get. It's
4: got
3: to be said. Yeah. Their, their story is incredible. Last season, everybody expected them to be fighting against relegation and obviously ended up getting into the Europa League and um, the manager is hugely impressive. Started out at um, working in the, the, the severe youth uh, categories. Um, Monchi's a massive fan so you know, if two plus two ends up making four then you know, he, he'll be the next guy after Lopetegui. Um, um, I don't give them a huge chance against United but having dumped out Napoli um, who knows?
2: It'll be hard to compliment Tom's knowledge because he's so forensic about how he looks at teams um, but I think that one of the one of the things that, is, it, it can't be called a total shock that a Spanish team that is unused to playing in Europe copes because one of the things that's been a, a trademark of the time that Pete and I have spent living in this country is that teams, you don't, get, you don't often get flash in the pan clubs in Spain where all the talent is bought. Teams tend to be um, trained well. Um, those players that have come through academy systems um, in Spain know how to cope with the ball. And in Europe, one of the things that's most difficult, if you're playing a rival that is not particularly known to you apart from computer clips and the dossier you've been given and you don't retain the ball or you don't use it intelligently, they'll they'll do you. If you go to foreign and unheard of places and you keep the ball in the same manner, uh, the same way as you do week in, week out, then it allows your quality to to take over and, and to impose itself. And I think that... Um, as well as having an extraordinary coach who's patently good. The, the way in which Granada have blended um, players that have been there as loyal servants for a long time to bring them up and brought in the right type of talent has been extremely clever. I think that they're a really well um, compensated squad and, and in fact for a, a club of their resources they've got quite a lot of depth because they've had... Um, far more um tests than they should have been ready for this season, in that their league performance, apart from moments when they, they, they look as if there's been a little bit of an after effect of um injuries, their league performance this season has been exceptional. And they I did an interview with the the lady used their MD, Patricia, I forget her second name, when they'd just come off the plane from playing Malda, they they whistled back in a taxi. And one of the things she was talking about was the way in which um, they'd been concerned about the the European campaign draining their players because the majority of the players haven't played a lot of European football in their life before and playing Thursday, Sunday is is tough. And she said that they, they'd done both all the, the physical tests and the medical tests and they'd spoken to the players too about what effect it was having. And she said that, that they're all flying on adrenaline right now. None of them feel tired. The late-night flights coming back from other destinations, although not from Norway because they flew on the morning of the Friday. The the outright endorphins and adrenaline is keeping them flying as a squad. I think that, um, albeit that there's there's youthful talent across the pitch, and from my taste, Yangel is, is a special player, and you know, they'll they'll do well to retain him because I think that at his age, with his profile, he's one of those who's potentially bought by a, a, a much bigger club and, and by a third of the way through next season, people are going flipping it, what a great player this is. And I think that um initially, you know, they they made a good bet on Mia and his season has has looked as if he's struggling with the physicality of it and, and to impose himself as well as he did at the beginning of the season and hopefully that changes and therefore I think you have to give credit to the way in which they invested in two guys I, I don't know Pete, correct me but if you put Molina and Soldado's ages together That's 72 isn't it? Something like that, yeah Because is 35-ish, but Molina's older still. eh? Molina's yeah. Molina's 38,
3: yeah.
2: When you make that deal, you have to think it's a risk. But don't you feel that they've, even beyond the goals, and each of them has scored quite well, the the know-how, the leadership, the ability to show people around them this is what you do...
3: Absolutely. And part of the reason why Hidafé have fallen apart, and you hit on it earlier when you said about the the lack of fans, but another of the big reasons is that Molina's gone. He was so important to them. And Sadara brings all the same qualities. And of course they've got Suarez as well. Luis Suarez, who's not going to be fit to play, but that's Mm. that's a good signing as well. And in the longer term... He's going to be great for them. They're very much a squad, not a team. I mean, players have been in and out all season because of injuries, because of coronavirus positives, um, and you pretty much get the same sort of performances from them regardless of of who it is. He's got such a strong squad there. It's difficult to name, you know, a kind of first team. Rui Silva would be the first team goalkeeper. Um, Dominguez Duarte and probably Jermaine Sanchez in the middle of the defence, although they've got Vallejo as well. You'd probably say Carlos Never and Fulkiers as the full backs. Usually play four three three, so two wingers either side of either Molina or Soldado. Darwin Machis and, and Kennedy would probably be the two two wide players he's and then evolved in Montau- you say
2: Kennedy? Don't don't you feel that, that we're getting more from Kennedy yeah,
3: now? Most definitely. Yeah, most definitely. Hmm. And um and he would be one of those who, who 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 they probably would miss. who they they would miss if he, if, if he's not there. Yangle uh, Graham's already mentioned, I think will definitely go on to bigger and better things, whether that's back to City or whether that's somewhere else. And Montoro is very important to them as well. And the other thing I say about them is they very rarely are out of games. I mean, there was a freak result earlier in the season when Aletti beat them 6-1, but they very rarely, you know, they're capable of playing a bad first half and they're still in the game. And then they turn things around and, and, and they can come away with the three points. Um, they're durable. That's what.
2: Well, when you make the durable. comparison, given that Tom's a United fan and his question is based upon, Real Sociedad are much are much higher at the table. They're much better promoted. They've got players, several players who are Spain quality and and therefore you'd say that a snapshot view, they're more recognisable. They're more iconic, and yet, United whirlwinded them completely. And 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 it it got embarrassing in the first leg and could have been more and whether United go through or not and you know like you I th- I think that it's it's more probable that certainly United at full tilt I think are a relatively impressive side and you don't sit second in the Premier League without having character as well as ability okay. They won't find Granada as simple to beat I don't think as, as they did Real Sociedad Granada's engines look a little bit run down a little at the moment and the injuries don't help them but I think that they'll find Granada far, just on your theme about them, they're rarely out of matches. I, find them, I think they'll find them, uh, they can't treat them with, well, it's another Spanish team, they're lower down the table, we, we pump Real Sociedad. That would be a, a, a drastically bad way to approach the time.
3: No, you're right, and they're, they're more pragmatic. I mean, they'll change things up if they see the game slipping from them. They won't allow what happened to Real Sociedad to happen to them in the, in the first leg.
1: Okay, last but not least for this month's Q&A is Finlay MacDonald, one of our beloved socios, who says How well do you think Rangers can do next year in the Champions League given how well Porto, a team they drew and beat last season, have done this year? And second question Are there any strikers in La Liga who could potentially replace Alfredo Morelos should he move on? So Pete I might come to you in a moment regarding a possible La Liga replacement for Morelos, but Graham, let's talk a little bit about Rangers. Um, obviously, just just to note that they go in to the third qualifying round, so they'll, they'll have four matches before they get to the the group stages proper if they can negotiate them. I mean, we, we know how hard it is to get through those four matches and get to that stage, but at the same time, you know, this is a squad that they they have a system and they have players who. To kind of know how to get results in Europe and it is quite an intriguing thought that they could um they could get through those ties and then and then make an impact in that group stage.
2: I, I think that the amount of money um available in the Champions League should Brain just get through to the group stage is such that they have to gamble on on keeping morelos And I think that keeping morelos is something that is probably useful in, in the short term. There's clearly a profit coming um, on the Colombian that they brought in from Finnish football, thanks to Jonathan Johansson, who shares an agent with uh, the Buffalo, and that's why Rage's got tipped off about him. He's been extremely impressive for them, and, and more so in Europe than, say, for example, in the old firm matches where he got his first goal against Celtic in I don't know how many 15, 16 matches, I don't know. But in Europe, He's shot very quickly against a mix of opposition, admittedly, become Rangers' leading scorer in Europe. And I think that one of the things that's important is that Morelos is, is a natural-born goal scorer, but I'm not 100% certain that his pace or his physical size will will eventually take Rangers to where they want to go, which is but ultimately is going through a group stage. Um, I, I think that for so long as... Um, isn't burned out this summer I hope he doesn't leave I think he's been a good thing for the game in Britain and I hope that he leaves in in a way that says there's my sign off Um, they're still in Europe they beat Roma who knows they go all the way they win the Champions League and then he says I'm taking a wee sabbatical and the point of that is that I don't have a doubt now that even though Liverpool should be thinking do we put Xabi Alonso in the running for the next manager or is it automatically Stephen Gerrard? I think they should be making a field and they should be assessing candidates against one another. Stephen Gerrard was patently anointed as the next level manager in Liverpool's minds. And he's done nothing but augment that case at Rangers. Because the quality of the way in which the team plays now compared to the footballer playing when he inherited Rangers, <coughs> the way in which individual footballers have been improved, and the way in which the manager, the coaching team's needs have been meshed with the way in which Ross Wilson signs um, has been exemplary. Uh, You know, I think it's absolutely exemplary what they've done. They've gone from coming up um, from lower divisions to finding their feet to being outclassed by Celtic because of their better squad and because of their Champions League money to to being utterly dominant uh, and for a reason. And... There's character in that squad. If you look at their unbeaten record, you don't do that by being dominant in football terms. The character of being hungry for it every single day, I think the number of times that they've avoided defeat this season, both domestically and Europe, is, is extraordinary. When I interviewed Steve Gerrard almost exactly a year ago, I think I counted up something like, I mean, by then I think he had 28 European matches as a debut manager. So how many has he got now? Let's say high 30s at least. When I counted back, I think Bill Shankley took 12 years to get as many European ties as a coach as Stephen Gerrard had this time last year. And yet, n- not one of them, not the coaching staff, not the players, have looked overwhelmed. they got beaten by a, a smarter, harder team across two legs. And I've been hugely impressed with Stephen Gerrard, not just his, his character or the way he supports himself in the club or in the media, but as a coach, he and, and McAllister and Keane patently improve the, the playing style, the playing understanding, the maturity and individual. So I want to see them in the Champions League. Um, selfishly for Aberdeen, the, the, the way in which they're changing our points profile is utterly fantastic. And um, I want to see... Stephen Jarrett and Rangers creating a system whereby, um, when Aberdeen are champions soon under Stephen Glass, it's us that's getting the direct entry in the group stage of the, the uh, Champions League. Now, it took a long time to get there, but that's been my point. <laughs> so, so,
1: coming coming to UP, if if Rangers sell Morelos this summer and they ha- if they have a little bit of money to spend, where should they be looking in La Liga?
3: Um, I think Brathwaite's a possibility. I don't think Brathwaite's got um, got much of a future at Barcelona. I think he was a very good player when he turned up and I don't think, uh, I think he's got even better, uh, he can only have got better um, playing with the players and training with the players that he's been with. Whether he fits into to the way that Steven Gerrard's Rangers plays, I don't know, they play 4-3-3, don't they? So... Um, you know that would that would work for Brathwaite, um, and I think he's certainly got the quality to play in the Champions League because we've seen him play and score goals for Champions League in Bar- Barcelona. Um, uh, what would Barcelona want for Brathwaite? I think they bought him for eighteen million. Um, would he want to go to to Rangers? Well, you can sell it a lot better now that they're in the Champions League if they if they get over those hurdles and, and make it to the group stages. Um, there are a couple of other good strikers, I think that that that. Um, Maybe a, a level now that they won't stay at into next season. One is Rafa Mir, um, who I think is a fantastic combination of, of aerial ability and, and speed. Reminds me a little bit of Andy Carroll, when Andy Carroll was at his really best. Uh, he's owned by Wolves, but he's currently at um, Wesker. Um, so prob- probably they're going down and, and he won't stay there. And the other one I really like is Roger Marti. I mean, he's 30 now, Roger Marti. And, um, but he's... He, 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 I don't know, Graham. I mean... Probably Roger Mart. Ro- Do you think Roger Marti at Rangers? He's got that sort of um...
2: in terms of muscularity and aggression and and running and and space opening. He, he's a move up on Morelos He hasn't got Morellis's numbers this season, but he's playing a far more competitive league. I I absolutely hate the thought of Roger Marty uh leading the line at Rangers uh, when they come up to Peturgia or something like that because he's a bundle of energy and he's a he's a really good finisher. I think your shouts are great and I only have to compliment you. You know, if it took me a long time to get to the point with Aberdeen, you got to the point straight away where you can <laughs> see uh a King Henrik Larson trained Brathwaite going to Rangers and dominating. I mean, given Larson's profile itself, that is the story to end all <laughs> stories. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Brilliant Great stuff guys Okay that's it For the second part Of this month's q Thanks to all our Socios who sent questions For this month's show Graham Hunter And Pete Jensen Thank you very much For being here And thanks to you For listening We'll be back With more Big Interviews Very soon Great service Great sets That's what you get From Granada It's better
2: TV That's why millions agree Great Granada Great service Great sets That's Granada